Welcome to Fine Rambles, number 85. So I've been wrestling with a couple different ideas, and I'm hoping to think about them a little bit today, and then see if I can combine them to some, to some ignorant degree. The first idea is the idea of unintended consequences. People act and things go <laughs> things go very badly you know when we criminalize drugs that doesn't stop the drugs from being consumed it just creates you know these endless drug wars increased crime more profit for the drug suppliers and the drugs also become more potent and therefore more dangerous and a lot of what the CIA has done over the years, I think, falls into this, into this idea bucket of unintended consequences. So, for example, in 1953, the CIA led a coup against the leader of Iran, Mossadegh, and that intervention in Iranian politics helped lead to the Iranian revolution in 1979. So the CIA, essentially, by trying to solve this problem, actually created a far worse one. And it's the same idea with what the CIA did in Afghanistan. They funded and supplied the Afghani troops in their war against Soviet Russia. And then those troops, you know, after the war, formed al-Qaeda. And more recently, something similar happened in Syria, where the CIA was funding and supplying the anti-Assad forces, and they all ended up joining ISIS and really strengthening the Islamic State. And, you know, those are pretty grim examples, but here's one more because it's, it's hilarious. When the British were ruling India under the Raj, they wanted to reduce the cobra population. So they started paying a bounty for every cobra killed. And the Indians, you know, being entrepreneurial and enterprising, they started breeding cobras to make more money. And when the British figured this out, they stopped paying the bounty. And, <laughs> and this made the cobras in the breeding programs worthless. So what did the entrepreneurs do? Well. They took the easiest option and they just released the cobras into the wild and they made the cobra problem way worse. And, you know, when I look at these examples, I say unintended consequences because that's the term that gets used. But at some point, you should be able to recognize patterns. Wars on drugs don't work. Foreign intervention doesn't work. And when, and when you pay for something, surprise, surprise, you get more of it. You create the supply. So the consequences may have been unintended, but they should have been predicted. And therefore, Today, when I hear someone use the term unintended consequences as an excuse, I just think, you know, how arrogant, how arrogant are you not to have realized that reality 
is really complicated. That reality is more complicated than you can understand. How arrogant are you to just blithely make large-scale changes? Changes that, that will predictably fail. And then when your policy fails, predictably, you sort of, you know, ah, sorry, I didn't intend it to happen. It's such a bullshit excuse to claim that you didn't intend to fail. I mean, <laughs> what's the alternative? The people who intend to fail? Who intends to fail? Nobody. I didn't think this would happen. It's a bullshit excuse. You messed with a complex system. Don't mess with complex systems. So that's the first idea. And the second idea I've been wrestling with is ergodicity. And this is a tricky idea, and I don't understand it as well as I'd like. And so, you know, I'm thinking out loud a bit, and in doing so, I'm really leaning on Nassim Taleb here. Really leaning on him a lot. So here's an example he uses, and I've, I've altered it a little bit. Let's see if this makes sense. Let's say 10 people go to Las Vegas, one each day. And each of them has, I don't know, $100 to play with. And each of them goes directly to the roulette wheel and puts the whole $100 on black. So let's say Albert or Adam goes the first day and wins. And then the second day, Bert goes and loses. Well, Charlie, on the third day, can still go. He still has his $100. The loss of Bert doesn't impact Charlie or David, etc. None of the remaining eight people are impacted. The order those 10 people go to the casino, one each day, doesn't matter. They're independent. So that's an ergodic system. It's ergodic. But now let's say instead of 10 people going to Vegas, one per day, I go to Vegas every day for 10 consecutive days. And I start with $1,000 to play with. So each day I go to the roulette wheel and I put all my money on black. The first day I win, so now I have $2,000. But the second day I lose, so now I have zero. I'm done, I'm ruined. There's no third day, there's no fourth day. My loss on day two has impacted the remaining eight days. So here, sequence matters. The order of my wins and losses matter. And that, Taleb says, is a non-ergotic system. If you want a more, <laughs> if you want a more visceral example, think of the two situations, but instead of roulette, they're playing Russian roulette. 10 people playing Russian roulette once is very different than one person playing Russian roulette 10 times. And this is a really important idea in investing, whether, you know, in the stock market or more generally. In order to succeed, you must first survive. And that means never exposing yourself to ruin, never betting everything no matter how good the odds appear to be, no matter how sure the sure thing feels. And this is a discipline based in humility, 
based in understanding that the world, again, is so complex that we can never understand it well enough to know, to know we have a sure thing. Because reality isn't a roulette wheel. Here's another example. Let's say you're at Grand Central Terminal in Manhattan, 42nd and Park Avenue, and it's 1 p.m. You have a very, very important meeting at the GM building at 59th and 5th at, let's say, 145. You have to be there. Now, how do you choose to get there? Well, you walk. You walk because the subway is faster on average but it might break down. You walk because a cab is faster on average, but there might be an accident. The risk of missing your meeting, the risk of ruin if you walk, is zero for all intents and purposes. Walking is slower on average, but it's more predictable. The tails in the distribution aren't as fat as they are for the cab or for the subway. So this realization reframes any discussion of probability. Imagine, <laughs> imagine the next time you fly being told that the plane doesn't crash 99% of the time. It sounds good, right? But a 99% success rate means that a crash is virtually guaranteed <laughs> within the first couple months of that plane flying. So if we understand ergodicity, in my opinion, I think it means understanding this. Never take existential risks. Especially don't take repeated existential risks. And I think we do this more often than we notice. Here's an example. Most people, when they turn 21 or 18 or 16, they start drinking alcohol. Maybe casually, maybe not so casually. But 6% of adults that's 15 million people, are alcoholics. So there are 10 million male alcoholics and 5 million female alcoholics. Again, that's 8% of all adult men and 4% of all adult women. So if you're a man and you drink, you have an 8% chance of destroying your life because of alcohol. That's a 1 in 12 chance. That first drink is like playing Russian roulette with a 12-chambered gun. And yet, who thinks about that risk? Who thinks about that existential risk the first time we have a beer or a shot? We run that risk so blithely, so carelessly. And, you know, people run existential risks all the time. We, we drive our car on the highway or we jaywalk. And some people die doing those activities, but, but their ruin is limited to them. If I jaywalk and I get hit by a car, you don't die. <laughs> the entire human race doesn't perish. Here's how Taleb puts it. He says, a human can be allowed to jaywalk, but the human race should never be allowed to jaywalk. The entire human race should never be allowed to take an existential risk. It's okay if individuals take existential risks, but it's never okay for all of us to do it together. And here's where, in my mind at least, 
unintended consequences and ergodicity cross. This is where they meet. This is their intersection. I think about GMOs, which have been introduced on a massive scale without any real understanding of what's going on. And I think about social media, where, I mean, something like three or four billion people have become addicted to them in like a decade. (laughs) That is an insane speed. Were they rolled out carefully, incrementally, with, you know, numerous local experiments? Of course not. Of course not. And so we don't understand the risks. We don't even know what the risks are. And even the risks that we can guess at, we don't even know what the odds are for two reasons. First, and I keep saying this, the world is more complex than we can understand. And then second, and this is really important, the long tail events that could destroy us, the the hundred year flood, the thousand year flood, well, they happen so infrequently, if at all, that we can't gather enough data, enough samples, to even try to run statistical analysis. And so I really believe that, you know, fucking around <laughs> with GMOs or social media or, or general artificial intelligence is Russian fucking roulette. And, and it's a revolver that's not just pointed at the head of one individual. It's a revolver pointed at the head of the entire human race. And we don't even know how many chambers there are. (laughs) We don't know what the risk we're running even is. But this uncertainty, this existential risk, hasn't stopped GMOs. It hasn't stopped the spread of social media. It hasn't stopped countries investing in discovering general artificial intelligence. Why? Well, for profit. Facebook enabled the Rohingya genocide in Myanmar. A genocide. Monsanto? Monsanto has imperiled the entire global food supply, putting us at risk of global starvation. And when Facebook gets caught or Monsanto gets accused of, you know, endangering the entire human race, they, they smile this you know, smug little smile, this little smirk, and they whine. We, uh, we didn't intend, we didn't intend that to happen. You didn't intend it, but it happened. And that is not acceptable when you're talking about global risk. You arrogant, self-interested fucks. Okay, that's all I've got this week. I'll catch you next week.